0: Welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host Darius for Day. and boy, do we have a special guest today! My friend Shelly Paxton is with us. Shelly, welcome to the show. Woo! Welcome. I'm rocking the pink unicorn. Thank really you. Oh my gosh, you are a pink unicorn, and you are a badass. So I'm so. I'm an
1: orange I'm- unicorn, Darius. I'm an orange unicorn, but today you know, the- for you, I'm a pink unicorn.
0: You know, I fucked up. I should have got you an orange one. That's just my bad. <laughs> But today you're rocking the pink, pink and orange. They're like they're cousins. They're They're
1: cousins. They look nice together, actually.
0: Yeah, they're like power power colors, you know. Look
1: at the look at this. Okay, so let's do a little. There we go. Oh, I mean hello. You
0: know, you know, I live in Austin, Texas, and we we would call your book a little something different than than orange. We'd call it burnt orange.
1: Well, yeah, burnt orange, exactly. Yeah, I that, like burnt orange. But you know, yeah, it's not as vibrant as like most of the oranges I have in my house. I guess it's over here. Um, but yeah, but our books look nice together.
0: They are sexy together. Those yeah, they, 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 they have, go. They might have a future with one another. Um
1: they might have a future. They're they're mating on my table right now.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, Uh hey,
1: let's not go there. That's a different kind of podcast.
0: Yeah, we're not going to say who's on top, but
1: uh, (laughs) I'm not going to reveal what I'm looking at right now. Oh,
0: that's just, we're (laughs) just getting dirty. Um, Hey, do you mind if I do a little housekeeping and then we get rolling? What, yeah. a, what, a, what a great start to the show. I've been wanting to have- Okay,
1: I'm gonna take that. this off and reveal my orange hair.
0: I love it. Oh, is that is that where the burnt orange, is that because of your, uh, your- Well,
1: no, the truth is that orange is my favorite color. And so I only had one request to Simon & Schuster about the cover of my book. And that's that orange needed to play a prominent, be a prominent factor in the design. That was it. And I was yeah. like, let's go from there.
0: Well, I now, love other
1: it. than this, I'm just a spicy redhead.
0: Yeah, I'm a spicy bald head. So it's, okay,
1: well, see, there's there's still good synergy there. I'm loving yeah, it.
0: Yeah, no, it, we're, we're 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 a match made. So let's let's uh, let's housekeep, and then I'm going to chop this up because we have so much fun stuff to talk about, Um, guys. Uh, first of all. We uh, welcome to the Greatness Machine. I am your host, Shaw's Day. and um, as you guys know, who have watched many of the episodes, the show is about two things: uh, people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And my friend Shelly is neither short of passion nor greatness. So we're going to be really talking about some amazing things. You have an amazing background. You've done some cool things. You got your book. You got your new coaching practice. Your business that you started in the in the recent few, few years here, and. Um, And I want to dive into that in a second. But before we go there, guys, start a watch party. Ask us questions. I got my team. Amber's on standby. Uh, She'll be ready and and willing and waiting to send your questions my way and Shelly's way. Uh, With that said, uh, wow, Shelly Paxton. So I'm like the, by the way, I'm the king. You don't know this. We 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 do have a mutual guest in common uh, because you have a show. Isn't that correct?
1: I do, Rebel Souls.
0: So uh, I saw that Chip Conley was on your show. Yes, and, and Chip was on my show, and um, and and I, you probably I he's more of a casual acquaintance for me, but I'm I, and I and I he's a friend of a friend, and he actually endorsed my book. He's one of the uh, he gave me a, an endorsement for the book, oh, and uh, and so uh, so yes, yeah, so we do have that in common. But um,
1: in Austin now.
0: He isn't he' is in Austin and, and by mm-hmm. way of Mexico by way of San Francisco he and I both were in San Francisco at the same time um, um, I was there for 17 years before I moved here to Austin and so um I'm like whenever I see someone I'm like that person is such a greatness machine person and and so I don't know how you came up in my Instagram feed but somehow I stumbled upon you and I was like oh I love what this person's doing this is so cool and I just cold I just cold hit you up I was like hey like you don't know me but I, you gotta be on my show and then and then it took you a minute or two you're like, who's this weird dude like woop Darius yeah Woomp, like woop there it is for us older people my name on my on fi on instagram's Darius she's like, who the hell's Woomp Darius he's like this guy's like pink unicorns, like I don't get this guy. But you did respond, thank God. And then uh, and then we linked up. So I've been waiting about six weeks for this show and here we are and I'm pumped to have you. So thank you. And
1: I have to say, just to set the record straight, I was like, I get so intrigued by names like that. So I'm like, who is this? So interesting. So I was just doing a little digging and then I was like, oh, we're like of the same soul trying to do great oh. things in the world. So the answer yeah. was hell yes. And we finally made it happen. So. Yeah. Just I, to set the record straight. And I do love me a unicorn. So, I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, right over there, baby. Um, yeah, it's funny. Um, I always know, uh, like, it's, it's, a, it's a hook for me. I always throw the lob out. And I'm very, like, my number three strength is woo. So, it's winning others over. So, I'm like... I'm gonna throw up the little woo, and then I know she'll look me up, and then and then if she's if she's legit, we'll be on we'll have a show together, and here we are. So uh, anyway, uh, you guys, Shelly is an entrepreneur, founder, speaker, and coach of and chief soul officer at Soulbatical. She is the author of her new best-selling book Soulbatical, and it's got a really cool uh, byline. and We'll let her dive into that. And you are, and why I picked bad, bad to the bone is because, dude, this is the former chief marketing officer of Harley freaking Davidson, which I love. I I, I love that company. Um, I I I have to tell a funny story about uh, Harley Davidson in a second, but um, but yeah, dude, the CMO of Harley Davidson. And if, if anyone out there knows marketing, they know that Harley Davidson is like one of the best branded companies in the world. Um, literally, and I'm gonna tell you in one second, my joke about Harley-Davidson, which is something, it's like a joke slash me paying homage to great marketing. Uh, Global citizen, and you are a former former corporate refugee. So welcome to see that you broke the shackles of corporatum, and you ended up doing what you're doing. So hot damn, welcome.
1: Hot damn, happy to be here. Love all of that. I am a current corporate refugee. I am a forever corporate refugee. Because oh. now I have now I'm on my I'm on my mission. But yeah, thank you for all that.
0: Yeah, it was, well, you make it easy. Um, so let me ask you. Uh, well, I want to tell you my Harley. Wait, I was just
1: gonna say you've got to tell us. You've like I literally feel like I'm on the hook. You baited me.
0: Yeah, it, I'm good at that. So all right. So I used to do this thing in my business where I I and in my book it's chapter six in the book and it's only chapter six only tells part of it. It tells we would do this really in, intensive onboarding. And what I would do is I'd spend the first, it was a nine hour onboarding. And this is the first experience anyone has in my company. First three hours is I teach them Gallup Strength Finder. And and I'm the CEO of the company. And this is, you know, we were at one point, you know, I'm not no Harley Davidson. We were a thousand person company. So their first day on the job, the CEOs comes in and spends nine hours with them, eight hours with them. And it's this it, very intense, immersive, cultural, like, like cleansing. First thing we do is we teach them their strengths, then we teach our values of the company, and then we go into the purpose. And I and I used to do this thing where I'd say, "All right, guys, I have a game I want to play with you." Okay? And I would say, "Can you tell me a name of a corporation, a for-profit corporation?" And it can't be a, 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 that you would tattoo on your body. And it can't be like a cartoon character it's got to be a company like preferably like one that might be publicly traded that is for profit and you tattoo their their you know their their logo on your body and people and and most of the time they would like i get somewhere like i say can't be a sports team I, i would like eliminate the obvious easy ones right and, and so then we'd land on, sometimes we land on Harley Davidson, sometimes we wouldn't, right? Because people literally have Harley Davidson tattoos on their body. Mm-hmm. But, when, but when I describe it in the way I just described it, that's a funny way of thinking about it that, wow, you would tattoo a, a, a motorcycle company on your arm. I, and, and I said, Well, let me put it into a different perspective. Let's go a different direction. I said, because you guys want to know that that a few years ago, there was a lawsuit against Harley Davidson against one of their competitors, because they said they copied the design of their bikes. Do you know who it was? And, the, the, and Kawasaki, no, no, Honda. I said, so I'm going to throw this out to you. I'm going to go back to that tattoo parlor. I'm going to take off my Harley Davidson tattoo. I'm going to get a Honda tattoo on my arm. And before I go there, I'd say, if I had a Harley Davidson tattoo, what does that say about me? Like, what do you think about me as a person? And they'd say stuff like, you're a badass, Americana, freedom. They name all the things that the brand stood for. And then I'd say, all right, all right great, great. Now I got the Honda tattoo on my body. What does that say? And and I would get like soccer mom, <laughs> you know, like. Or just silence. Like I don't even know. Yeah. Right. And I said, guys, this is an example of a company that knows their purpose versus one that doesn't. And then I teach them all about Simon Sinek's "Why" and our "Why." At my business was to grow happiness. But anyway, I used to do that. And, and, and I'm a little rusty; I haven't done it in a few years. But that—that that is essentially my Harley Davidson story. But I love I,
1: it. It drives the point home, and it's so true, so true. It's beautiful. I mean, that's one of the things I always loved about the communities. Like, it is the most passionate and loyal community in the world to this day. You right. know, it doesn't get more passionate than putting the uh, the company name on your on your body
0: yeah like permanently. like permanently tattoo a logo of a for-profit. Yeah. and I would say it in the most driest way for-profit comp- corporation yeah, yeah right?
1: exactly <laughs> a fortune 500 company wah, wah, <laughs> right?
0: oh yeah, yeah. yeah really yeah what are you gonna do like GM yeah you know, people would say other ones though like Ford and Chevy and I'm like no no maybe yeah. it's, maybe in some parts of the country but not yeah not, not what in my, is
1: part. my Harley tattoo is where mm-hmm. is it? Yeah, where do you think it is?
0: Oh, do you have one really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm gonna throw it out. I'm gonna ankle or like, like on your hip.
1: Yeah, no, I don't have a tattoo. I just have my nose pierced, but I never got a tattoo because I couldn't commit to anything.
0: Yeah, you know, I so it's funny. I have a twin brother, right? And yeah, I read
1: about that in your book.
0: Yeah, and right, so. Right? What's that?
1: Mike is his name.
0: Yeah, we, he's actually in our family. He's Mikey. Like, okay. like, and 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 so I'm I'm 42, which means in like 1979, 1980, I was like three, two, three years old. And uh, there was this really popular commercial for Life cereal where they're like Mikey, he likes it, oh, and I the kid was well. with the curly, curly hair. So you can't tell, but my brother, if you ever looked, my brother's bald, but we, he had super, super dark curly hair. And he looked like the kid from uh, Life Life cereal. So yeah, that's that's my brother. And so when we were like 15, my mom was like, "Mike, my brother used to draw on himself, like tattoos. He, he was like 12, drawing like he's just like you see your 12 year old kid drawing tats all over himself with markers, like that might freak you out a little bit, right?" So harbinger
1: an of things to come, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> my brother's sitting there tatting himself from the age of 12 to like 16, like with markers, and yeah. my parents were like, "What the f?" And so my mom's like, listen, Mike, if you don't get a tattoo by the time you, until you're 25, I'll pay you 25000 bucks. He had a tattoo by the time he was 18. He didn't care. And, and my oh, brother, and here's the funny thing. He's like covered. Like he's got like, he's got beautiful tattoos. Um, no, I have none. No tattoos, but I had my ears pierced when I was young.
1: Yeah, I have to say I'm a massive fan. Like, like many of my friends have, like beautiful sleeve art and gorgeous stories, and like I am a fan of that expression. I just have never been that committed. Yeah, <laughs> and, not- and I have a phobia of needles, and those two things combined has like, yeah, made me think. Although I will, I will get at least one before I'm in the ground.
0: Yeah, you should do it. I, 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 My wife's anti me getting one, but like I, I, I love them. And I would I would probably cover myself. Um, He goes, he flies all over the world and gets, goes to, finds these like, there's a bunch, there's a whole community of famous tattoo artists. Oh yeah. And so he'll go and he books them three years out. And he'll fly to Japan and get one. Or he'll, oh, go to, I love he'll go to that. Paris and get this, the, the number one guy that does this specific genre. And so he has these amazing, I mean, I love my brother's tattoos, and 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 I if I did it, I would do it the way he did it, which is good. It's good.
1: like a tattoo museum. That's so beautiful. He's like You're, the best of the best.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. It's I very is. cool. Now, in tattoo, there's a thing called a signature body part. I don't know if you know this, well, and I only know because my brother has it. So what? So if you go to there's tattoo competitions where people will go and they will like basically put, like, put their tattoos up for for like awards. For the artists and my, and there's a thing called a signature competition, which is you pick a body part, anyone you want, and you get and you get the craziest, most insane tattoos that mean nothing to you on them. So my brother has a signature leg, and he has like, have you ever seen the TV show Eastbound and Down with Kenny Powers? Like no, like, like if like anyone that knows what I just said, like, no, he didn't. I'm like, Yeah, he did. It'd be like getting chachi from like happy days tattooed on your leg. Like, like the equivalent of the fawns on one leg and Chachi on the other. Like, like he's got like a rooster fighting Chachi on one of his legs. Like, like just like funny stuff like that. But yeah, he's very into it. Um, I want to dot like enough about my brother and moi. Let's talk about you and your book and like, your like what you're doing because you're doing some cool stuff. So tell us all about you and your wonderful like world you're living in right now. Let's hear all about it.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe I should start with a little bit of my backstory. So yeah. So Harley was the last six and a half years of my corporate career. I spent in total 26 years. So I got a few years on you, my friend. And I spent 26 years in the corporate world on the advertising and, and basically in the advertising and marketing world. And for many, many of those years, kind of on the agency side of the business, but always stewarding some of the most iconic brands in the world around the world. I've lived and worked around the world in many global roles. It's been, that's been, I mean, zero regrets. And that's actually been part, my favorite part of my career is that it took me to so many beautiful places. And I've met people and I've experienced cultures that I never would have been exposed to otherwise, you know, I've worked for, you know, Visa and McDonald's and AOL back in the day. And, um, Harley Davidson and many, many, many other uh, other brands. And so that was um that was kind of my my deal. However, I was always kind of struggling with, you know, was I, was I kind of doing my dad's thing? Was I doing my thing? And my dad was a very successful executive who had also started in marketing and I kind of stumbled into his path. And it's really funny because I've been a rebel since I shot out of the womb. I mean, I've always been uh, my, you know, I've been rebelling against, and maybe we'll talk about that because my big pivot has been learning how to rebel for, which is a much more empowering position. However, I was, I've always been rebelling against. It's funny that I kind of ended up on this very um, traditional career path, if you will, and had incredible success Mm -hmm. on this career path to the point where I ended up getting recruited to come to Harley, helped Harley set up their global marketing organization, ultimately became the chief, chief marketing officer of Harley freaking Davidson, exactly as you said. And I get there, I'm like at the peak of the mountain because anybody who's been in corporate knows it's like most people are spending their entire careers trying to you know get to this place, get to these heights. And mm-hmm. it was strange for me because I got there and I was like, I work for one of the sexiest brands on the planet. Mm -hmm. I get to ride motorcycles around the world because I was able, I became a rider once I got there and I became, you know, sort of deeply enmeshed in the community. And I, yeah, people like, I'm meeting these incredible people from around the world, and yet I still felt really unfulfilled i felt really empty on the inside and so that was that really caught me off guard because i thought well how can i be in this place and i everything it looks like i'm ticking the traditional boxes of success on the outside and yet i have this emptiness i feel like i'm dying a little bit on the inside and i'm like do are other people experiencing this are they asking the question like is this all there is and then i ended up having kind of a a wake-up call You know, I'm a big fan of saying like our soul whispers to us and then it shouts and then it like whacks us with a two by four. It's like, okay, you're not listening. Well, guess what? So in my particular case, I was sort of grabbed by the lapels, so to speak, and ripped out of my sleep every night, having this devastating nightmare night after night after night. And I had it for the entire last year that I was at Harley. And what I realized that I was seeing, actually what I ended up seeing, I'll spoil this for anybody who hasn't read the book, but my book starts in this place where I talk about the nightmare because this was my wake-up call, getting woke literally. And my wake-up call was seeing going on this kind of really dark and strange journey in my nightmare to a point where I'm in this Dark room, completely lifeless, no windows, no decor, no nothing. And like that, a chill in the air, like something bad has happened in here. And I get lured kind of across the room to this little utility closet. And when I open this utility closet, there's my dog who had passed away six years prior to this moment during my divorce. So it's bringing up all these crazy times. And I see him and he's alive. In this little utility closet in this room I didn't even know about. And he's on the floor like he was a fat little roly-poly pug named Mocha. And now he's like, like his rolls are just cloaked out on the floor and he's whimpering. He can't even lift his head. He's basically dying because he's malnourished and he's neglected and he's longing for attention. And I didn't even know he was alive. And at that moment, I go to scoop him up and I would wake up. Oh, wow. And so after some examination and having that, that nightmare for about three or four months, I went to a doctor and I just said, I'm not sleeping, I'm numbing myself. I would literally drink at night to incapacitate this nightmare. And of course that didn't work. And I was he introduced me to meditation. So I was 45 years old when this was happening. I was a senior executive at a Fortune 500 company. And I'm like waking up bawling my eyes out, curled up in a fetal position nearly every night. I'm like, what is going on? And then through meditation and really getting into that, I started to see the message. And the message was that mocha was a proxy for my soul. It all sounds so obvious when I say right. it now, but it, it 100% was not obvious to me because I was on autopilot. Like we don't see True. these things when we're stuck in that And I understood that it was my soul that was saying, acknowledge me, feed me, nurture me, listen to me. And that was just like, it stopped me in my tracks. And it made me realize that I was living this life that was completely misaligned from my truth. I was living someone else's dream. And Mm -hmm. that woke me up. And that made me realize that I wanted to start paving my way out of Harley, because it wasn't really about Harley, it was about my relationship with corporate America, my lack of boundaries, you know, my pursuit of something that actually wasn't fulfilling to me at all. And so one day I woke up and said, Okay, I'm going on this journey. It's called my soul baddicle, because I want to nurture and nourish my soul, listen to it deeply and see where it leads me. And I'm going to become chief soul officer of my life. Because at the time, I was super title sensitive." And I knew that if I had a title, I would respect it and honor it. And that would be, you know, that would guide me. And that was the beginning of the end. I paved my way out of Harley. And that was exactly four years ago. And it led me on this journey that was deeply personal in the beginning for me to reconnect with and listen to my soul, understand what is my bigger calling. And little did I know that it would lead me to realize like there's a whole world of people out there who are feeling the way I was feeling Who are not living their truth you know who are wanting to live and lead more authentically and courageously and purposefully so soulbatical has become a mission and a business and a book and now a podcast and the momentum is the momentum's going i'm on i'm on a mission to liberate a billion souls that's what i say and i can't do it alone so i'm inviting everyone along with me to be those ripples that create that wave of change
0: All the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Darius. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. And whatever bug bit you, it left your house and came to my house about, (laughs) about two years later and bit me because literally um, you yeah. could have literally, literally you just described what happened to me um, in 2018 and 19. So I quit my job as CEO of a company that had, that I had built to a thousand employees. I stepped down and left the company and it was like my dream. And I, as an entrepreneur, that's like, that's a big deal, you know, uh. um, and, and yeah, I had literally the same thing. And, I, and it's funny when you were just describing it, that's how I describe it. I said the whisper turned into a shout.
1: Oh, like
0: yeah. it, I, I actually get
1: the- whacked by the two by four. What was your What was your moment that just sh- made you realize like this is not only happening, but I have to do something about it? What um,
0: was- well, what I say is when you have when when you've gotten to that point where like. Like, had I told you 10 years before that moment that you were going to do that, you would have been like, no fucking way. There's no way I'm going to get to oh. that point in my career. And then when I get there, I'm going to leave at the top. There's no way. Like, like you'd be like, you're out of your mind. Actually, I'm going to kill somebody to get to that point. Yeah. Like, you're telling me I'm going to quit when I'm there? No way. I remember Yeah. 10 years earlier, had you told me I was going to get to that point, I, remember I was running a $2 million company saying, I can't wait till I'm running a $100 million company. And then I got way bigger than that, and I was like, you know, which is different. It's a different path than yours, but the, there's a similarity, right? In that, oh. as an entrepreneur, that's like that's the dream is to build a company that big, if not bigger. And and then to get there, and then to fucking quit. Uh, the moment was the same as yours. I started having reoccurring nightmares. Oh wow! Really, I I had, and it turned into like chronic anxiety, and and then I started having day terrors. I didn't know there was such a thing as a day terror. By the way, you know what a day terror is? Basically, it's a nightmare when you're awake. <laughs> yeah, That
1: with your mind all day long.
0: Yeah, I just wasn't happy, and it, it literally—I'm telling you—whatever bug you got bit with bit me, and it was the same thing. I wasn't living; I, I was out of alignment with my values and my purpose. I'd written my book during that time. Um, that was that was a nice distraction, but I finished my book and um, just wasn't happy wasn't I mean I, I retired from my industry I was in for 20 years and like when this happened I, I mean like so now I'm I'm kind of uh, we're on very similar paths
1: <laughs> Yeah, well I love it and I love I mean I I feel like since I've chosen to be on this path and I every step forward I take there is so, I mean, it's like the universe is just throwing amazing people in my path. So this is another great example. The yeah. fact that we connected and we're on similar missions and I'm, I'm so excited to finish your book because as soon as I picked it up, I'm like, oh, he talks about value and purpose. Like those are two things that mean so much to me because they were a part of my own journey. And I realized I was like, oh, I know what my values are, bullshit. I didn't know what my values were. I had to sit my ass down and I had to dig deep to understand, you know, Brene Brown says, I dare you to find, to narrow it down to your top two values. It's really hard. I think so many of us have, like you say in your book, where it's like, we've sat in companies, whether we created them or we were you were leaders within them that just have plaques on the wall with all of this nonsensical language and all of these big words that maybe sound nice, but we're not living them. We're not breathing them and they don't come from this place. And so when I sat down and really thought about my values, I was like, oh, freedom authenticity and courage. And I say that like it was easy. It wasn't easy. It was like pulling all my hair out to really get clear. And then I thought, Oh, that makes so much sense. And probably because Harley was selling freedom. That's why I stuck in the corporate world for so long. Right. right. I was like, okay, I sort of get it. Like I want to be selling that. And actually I wanted that in my, in my own life in a very different way. And so that, getting really clear on those values then helped me to understand my purpose and my calling in the world. I realized like, Oh, part of that clarity is the beginning of liberating my soul. And then I'm like, Oh, wait a second. Then I kind of understood my calling was to be a lighthouse and share this with other people and on and on. Right. Like one thing leads to the other. And I just But all you've got, I mean, for everybody who's watching and listening to this conversation, it's like, you've just got to take one step at a time. You have to first listen deeply because I think we're, especially overachievers, we're so good at ignoring those messages and just kind of like stuffing them back down as inconvenient truths, right? Because you had the whisper, I had the whisper, and it kind of took those moments where it's like, well, I'm just going to rock your world until you pay attention.
0: Yeah, I said I said that God's a funny guy, and he was like, "I'm just gonna throw you off the cliff, and you know, you're not gonna have a choice, you know." And that's then like, like, God didn't give a shit about what what I what where I wanted to stay. God was like, "You're you're out, man," and I was like, "No, I don't want to." He's like, "Sorry, <laughs> see you down below." Um, no, you're right. It's funny. I I I came up with this thing I call the fulfillment formula, which is essentially. Um, it it puts to what you're talking about. And I'm still tweaking it and playing with it, but it's your talents plus your values divided by your awareness equals your fulfillment. And so if if you're how how far are you living your in your talents? How far are you living in how much are you living in your values? And then you divide that by how aware are you of of how much of an awareness do you have? And then I break awareness up into four four buckets that my buddy calls meds. So meditate how how well are, is it? Do you have a meditation meditation practice? Are you exercising? Do you have a healthy diet? And are you sleeping well? Oh my god, so, love it. So I, I say it's and I use strength finder as the tool for strength. So it's strength, your strengths. you I have five strengths. How how, how alive are those and well in my life? I add that to my values. How alive or well are those in my life? And then I divide it by my meds. And how how well is that going for me? And typically, if all those are humming. I'm a pretty fulfilled guy. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, rarely are they all humming. It's you're I'm fighting for it on a c- pretty consistent basis.
1: Well, but that and I think that's an important point though. I think we are always having to practice and fight for. I say rebel for, right? My whole thing is I've made this shift from being somebody who consistently banged her head on a brick wall like the one behind me to somebody <laughs> who and realizing like, oh wait a second, Maybe that's not helpful, right? When you're rebelling against, you're doing it on someone else's terms, you get, you're exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. And you tend to get nowhere. And what about like all of a sudden, as I've been on this journey, I thought, what if you're rebelling for, because that's on your terms. It's totally empowering, and it supports all the things that we're talking about. I talk about rebelling for who you are. That's your authenticity. That's like your essence and living into the truth of that essence. Rebelling for what you want. That's the courage to create the life you want. And the rebelling for the impact you want to have in the world. And that's your mission and your purpose. And if you're kind of doing all three of those things, I guess that's probably close to my fulfillment equation. I love that. I just wrote your equation down. I think it's really powerful. But it's like, that is such an opportunity. But it's not like, oh, great, I got there. It's not a destination. It's a journey. We have to be practicing these things and work on being aligned with these things every day of our lives. And because we're human, we're gonna have to rebel for it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah that's i love i love that the idea around rebelling for because that that like to me that speaks to serving right yes. so there's an element of serving others and serving yourself at the same time and i just think that that's such a powerful concept i have a question for you so Ooh. when were you, when were you at McDonald's what years
1: I was on the agency side, so I was never, I was never um, at the McDonald's Corporation. But uh, oh man, I worked on the McDonald's business from, I want to say, like 1994. We're going to go way back. So I'm 50. So I've got eight years on you. So that, but that's why cultural references, I think, are flying here. Um, 1994, all the way through when I went overseas to about 2000. And then again, came back to the business around 2006.
0: What agency were you with?
1: Um, I was always within the Omnicom Group, so DDB for the longest time, okay. and then I was within the Omnicom Media Group in that in that kind of later on portion.
0: So I uh, there was a woman who was on my show um, who what came who was the CMO of my company, and she came from the agency world. And her husband was uh, is, a, is an icon in the agency world. So they, he was the, do you know Campbell Ewald? Oh, very well, yeah. He was, he was the C- CEO of Campbell Ewald. He was the chief creative there. And his name is um, uh, Bill Ludwig. And his wife, his name is Barbara Yolis. And she was at McDonald's in the time when you were there. And then she ended up being the chief growth officer of McCann.
1: Okay. Oh, and man. Our our paths must have gone like this because so much of that sounds familiar. But I don't know her. God, we yeah. took a trip down memory she,
0: <laughs> Yeah, she's she's amazing. She's uh, like I love her. And um and so she ended up leaving McCann. Then she was the CMO uh, uh of um of Campbell-Ewald. And then her and Bill actually ended up getting married, which is crazy. But um but yeah, he was a uh, can't believe Wall for forty years. I think some some really oh, intense, wow. really long, maybe not forty, maybe thirty years. He was there for a very long time. Worked his way up, literally from like the bottom to the CEO of the company, and then and then they sold to um, IPG, I think. Um, so um, yeah, anyway.
1: well. yeah, yeah. I was always on the Omnicom side, you know. When that's where I started my career, and then ultimately after doing the whole, you know, getting into the digital space with AOL, which became AOL Time Warner. I ultimately kind of used that to pivot into the media space and help kind of reinvent media with more through more of a digital first and multi-platform lens um, and that's when I got back into McDonald's and then actually started a global digital strategy practice within Omnicom media Group and then got recruited to go to Harley
0: Oh, uh, so cool so so tell me um, so you leave Harley you leave the dream the dream job right like like I said if you've been in marketing at that point probably 20 plus years and you're like i made it i'm cmo of a fortune 500 company they're they're an iconic brand they their values probably aligned with your values but you were not where you wanted to be so you leave you have this whisper that turns into a yell you leave and you go you went on a sabbatical i take it is that what happened
1: yeah so i called it my sabbatical, as i said And and honestly this is where i start the book because i made up this term because i was like well I'm not going on a sabbatical and I'm not going on vacation. This is something I couldn't really describe it. And so let me also paint the picture that everyone in my life thought I was batshit crazy. Harley thought I was nuts for wanting to leave, but I, you know, made sure that I set them up for success with an amazing successor and, you know, the marketing organization in great shape. My parents thought I'd lost my mind and belonged in like a padded cell. You know, my whole professional network was like, we don't, we don't get it. Like in a way we're sort of envious. Like, what are you doing? And in a way it's like, Oh my God, she's lost her mind. You know, like completely. So that's the backdrop to what's happening in this moment. And I am like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other girl. Like you got this, you've got to listen to what's going on inside because I was 46 at the time when I left, and I thought, what, what, how am I gonna feel if I get to 50 and I still have this empty feeling inside and I have this building regret? Because to that point, I didn't have any regrets, but I thought, I might very well have regrets. I don't want to be, you know, I love the, the book that Bronnie Ware wrote about the top regrets of the dying. She's a, if you don't know the book, she's a palliative nurse who, you know, interviewed the people, you know, as she was caring for them on their deathbed. And the number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life that was truer to myself instead of the life everybody, everyone else expected me to live. And another one is I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. And another one is around happiness. And I just, I was starting to think about all of these things. And I thought, I owe it to myself to invest in the possibility of my future self. And so at the time I said, I'm going to take a year off. I may very well go back to the corporate world. I had zero idea of where this journey was taking me. So I decided I was taking a year off Maybe it would be less, maybe it would be more, but I was going to give myself that space. So I kind of tucked, I had this fuck you fund, is what I called it. So I had this sort of fuck you fund that was from sort of a fuck you to my ex husband um, (laughs) and a fuck you to anything less than future, uh, than uh, total fulfillment in my future. And so I was just, I built this little nest egg. I recovered financially from this, a pretty devastating divorce, built this little nest egg and said, great, I'm going to take a little bit of that. So I feel very fortunate that I had a little bit of money, but I was going to run out of money by the end of the year, maybe even before the end of the year. And I decided to, you know, kind of hunker down. And I wanted to remind myself that this is all about my soul and listening deeply, and getting clear, and connecting, and seeing where it leads me. I have no other guide. And that's what SoulVatical became. So I started traveling, as because I didn't know what to do. First of all, I started busying myself. And then I realized, oh, I've been wearing busyness as a badge of honor. Like, busyness is a bitch of an addiction.
0: Oh, god. Right? I'm so addicted, it's fucked.
1: Well, and so here, that's the funny thing. That is probably one of the things I struggle most with in my own business because I kind of, th- I, I, I shed for a while. Like I had this big epiphany at one of the first places I traveled to was France and I went to stay with some friends who had like renovated this beautiful like luxe B&B. And I just used it as a place to slow down. And that message around slowing down hit me hard. Like I was like bolting at 80 miles an hour in the 35 mile per hour zone of life. And I was not paying attention. I was not savoring it. I was missing so many things. So I started slowing down. And I started realizing like, oh my God, busyness is actually armor. Busyness is our way of like deflecting things and busyness is our way of not listening to what's going on inside. So that was my very first massive lesson. I mean, this is like the universe, like, you know, so it was sort of guiding me on this journey and it was another like, okay, have, you know, sit down, slow down, sit still. And that felt really good. And as I continued on this journey, I was just learning these profound lessons. And the next, it took me to, um, I ultimately went to New Zealand and spent the entire winter of 2017. So uh, actually right after Trump was sworn into office, I got on a plane and went quite far away. And it wasn't planned around that, but I planned to go for three weeks and I came back over two months later because I found my spirit land. And also some of what happened in New Zealand really forced me to reckon with my identity and how absolutely, you know, just intertwined my identity was with my professional identity and, you know, these big titles and these iconic brands and, you know, a big paycheck and, uh, you know, sexy travel, all the things. I was like, well, who am I without that? Mm -hmm. And I, just, it was like a breakdown, right? We often have to have our breakdown so we can have our breakthrough. And New Zealand was that for me. New Zealand, there was this epic monsoon and I got trapped inside this little seaside cottage and I was fearing that the ocean was gonna come rolling into the little living room of this cottage. And I was stuck there for days. And I thought, I don't know anyone here. I don't have anyone to call this is my time to do this hard work and i started really just bl- like thread by thread untangling my ad- identity and asking myself the question what if Shelly paxton is the most iconic brand you could ever represent mm-hmm. who is she what is her essence and kind of honestly building up my self-worth again that had nothing to do with all of these other brands, but that had everything to do with who I am, what I represent, and how I show up in the world. And that was a massive turning point.
0: So, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing all that. It's 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 wonderful context to, to know how you're coming into where you are now. And, and obviously, you've written this amazing book. And and you've gotten tons of great write-ups about it. And it's it's really impressive to, to to see this. I'm just sitting here being like, uh-huh. I'm dealing with all this stuff. <laughs> and and it's funny because uh, do you know there's a writer by the name and he's an entrepreneur now, Tucker Max. You heard of him? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs Scribe Media.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I, I did my book through Scribe. Um, oh, okay and, and I know Tucker, he's a friend, he's a friend now. And um, uh I
1: know Zach Obrant, so his his partner. I know Zach. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know Zach. I know all those guys, they just uh just I've been around him for 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 oh, eighteen awesome. months, right? And so I said hi. I will. I will actually probably tell him that soon. Um, and so uh, Tucker and I were talking. He was on the show actually right before the book launch uh, two weeks ago, and we were talking. And he said, "Yeah, man, you you you're, you have an addiction for hustle porn. You know, wow. you're you got to hustle." And so I have that. You know, my my timing was kind of crappy. I I I ended in November. I then went to Southeast Asia with my family, with a bunch of friends, for a few weeks, about almost a month. Ca- came home and I told my wife, "I'm like, we're gonna go travel, doing kind of the same idea." And then COVID hit, and I got killed. So I, I so then I, I did what uh, I was bored. I was not distracted and super bored, and, and like fiending distraction, fiending of some, you know, like 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 a fucking heroin addict. I was like, I I need. Uh, What do you mean, play with my kids? Like, I need to go do, build something, do something.
1: My adrenaline hit, right?
0: Yeah, and I and I didn't have, and there was like no choice. Like, no, you're not even allowed out of your house, man. What are you talking about? There's no thing to plan. There's no people to go see. You already you already raided Amazon in the grocery store. You got 20 gallons of gas in your shed in the back. Like, you're stuck in COVID times in your house, and you're with yourself and your family. And it ended up being this really rewarding time frame for me because. I realized it was the first time in my life I realized I was addicted to being busy.
1: Yeah.
0: Like that's, and most people, I, I will tell you people, like, imagine you don't have a job. Everyone's like, don't have a job. That's the best thing ever. And I'm like, fuck no. Yeah, it's great and it's not. You get a lot of space to be with yourself, to be like, how am I fucked up? <laughs>
1: It's beautiful when you sink into it, but it's really hard. It's really hard. I mean, I I, thank you. I love that you shared that story because I've been saying since the beginning of COVID, like, so my book launched eight weeks before COVID hit the US. And so then clearly like different book launch and I anticipated whatever. And so for a few days, I kind of was like, "Whoa, is me and felt a little sorry for myself and whatever. And then I kind of woke up one day and I'm like, wait a second. The world needs this message now than e- more than ever. And what if we're actually on sabbatical instead of in quarantine? So I started writing this stuff and talking about like quarantine or sabbatical. Because the reality is what Sylvatical is saying, you don't have to leave your job. It's actually about finding yourself. And it's about slowing down long enough to reconnect with that little voice, to let it guide you, to listen to it, to do kind of the deeper soul searching. And most of us don't, especially those of us who are high achievers, we don't carve out the time. We don't create the space. Like you said, we're looking for that next adrenaline hit. We're looking for that big thing. And this is a time where all of us have been forced to slow down, to sit still, and to really get clear on what matters most. And so, you know, I'm a believer, like, there's a gift in these times. Yes, there's a lot of loss and a lot of tragedy, but from a, you know, I think what Winston Churchill said, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. I believe there's something in this for all of us individually and collectively. And as I'm seeing it and in the conversations I've been having, so much of it is people realizing, like, what's really important to me? What Mm. really matters? what do I want to create coming out of this? Because I think we've had this collective realization that maybe we weren't so fucking happy before this.
0: Totally. I think it's a combination of chronic dissatisfaction and chronic distraction, right? Yeah. I'm going to plan my next vacation, plan my next go to the bar, plan my next go to the dinner, plan my next go see the friends, plan my next this, plan my next this, plan my next this, plan my next that. And I have a friend who's on the show who's this amazing speaker. His name is Don Dapani. He was a Hindu monk and like an amazing guy. You should watch the show. He's He speaks all over the world. And he, um, I mean, an amazing guy. And he said, people have never learned to be with themselves. You know, we don't learn how to focus. Like what's funny is you picked up meditation. I picked up meditation 18 months ago and I'm a hardcore meditator now. And that was, and that's the first time I got to be with myself. And there's a quote that I heard that I love, which is, How you are anywhere is how you are everywhere.
1: One of my favorites. How right. you show up anywhere is how you show up everywhere. Amen.
0: So if you want to ever get clarity on how you are in your normal life when you're not busy, go meditate. And that's how your brain is in between distractions. And, 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 and that was the thing where that's, that's an opener. When you start to view meditation, so a lot of people think meditation is around relaxation or like calming yourself. And that's a nice side effect you get. Mine is around observing my mind. Mine is how am I right now? And then I see like, fuck, I'm thinking about all that stuff. Oh, I need, I need to maybe like reconsider my options. Right. But I love it. Um, you have me, my wheels are spinning over here, by the way, I have like a page of notes for you for when we get off the air, but, um, there, let me ask you a question. So, so right now, because we're kind of heading towards the end of the show here, you know, you got the book. obviously, people can find that everywhere and we'll plug at the end of the show how they can get a hold of the book. But what else, like what is what else are you doing? How else are you helping people through through your work right now?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So, yes, the book is a great starting point. So is Rebel Souls podcast. And I think we're gonna have to do a little reciprocity. It'd be really fun to have you on the show. so we'll we'll get that sorted out off air. Um, but Rebel Souls, I just started it in August. It's it's brand new. So that's been really fun. Like, like you, it's like, I feel like a professional conversationalist. I just, I love to have these kinds of jams from the soul. And Rebel Souls is all about people who are, you know, rebelling for making a difference in the world and having some sort of impact and, you know, in a way kind of flipping the middle finger to the status quo. And I love that. That's what I want to stand for. And I want to spread this message of rebel for and you can also go to my my website. You can look at what I'm doing from a coaching standpoint. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. I'm looking into what I want to do in terms of creating a, a bigger community, but I've got a newsletter. If you ever just want to hear, if you like my perspective and the kinds of things I say, I just send out a little soul fuel every first Sunday of every month. So I've got one coming up this Sunday. Um, but yeah, that's mostly what I'm doing in the world right now. And it feels, it feels really good. And, and I'm, I'm working on some, the next evolution of Soulbatical and bringing Soulbatical back into the corporate world. So I'm working on some pretty, pretty big stuff that I think is going to take this business to the next level to impact even more people. And that's it, right? If I have a mission to liberate a billion souls, I want it to be scalable. And I want to impact as many humans and beautiful souls as possible because we all deserve to live a fulfilled life.
0: Let me me ask you a question because, and this is something that, you know, in my book, I tackle it from the perspective of, of a company essentially doing this work, a company figuring out what is its authentic soul, right? I say that core values are authentic to the soul of the organization. Yeah. And that's one of the, one of the things I talk about, I don't know if I say that specific specific words in the book, but I'd say that when I talk to people, I go, "What's up? what are your core values?" It's whatever is authentic to the soul of the organization, and I think "soul" is a very important word because it's this intangible thing that people understand. I have a, a friend who's the head of leadership at Singularity University, and he says that he calls it essence to so what is true to your essence, right? And and um, so. To your point earlier, I think a lot of people are unclear on their values and then they're they're not working within their values. And I say in the book that once you're clear on your values and and you'll appreciate this coming from a marketing background, I believe that your values can be designed for high utility that you can actually I'm, I consider myself a designer, like although I'm a CEO, an entrepreneur and or a former one, at least. Um, I believe you can design an organization, you can design an experience, you can design the way a word can feel as a brand person, you're designing a brand to make people connect with it in a certain way. And, and so when you say you want to liberate souls, how, like, what, how do you approach that from a design perspective? Like, what, what are you trying to design for people to actually do that?
1: Yeah, well, it's so many of the things that you and I have talked about, right? So, liberating souls is about, I mean, you liberate your soul by living more authentically, more courageously, and more purposefully. So, that's kind of what my book has four sections. And my book is, I say it's part memoir, part manifesto, and part interactive guide because after each section of my book, I talk about fulfillment. And then I have you do, go on a soul search journey with a lot of the questions and exercises that I did. Same with authenticity, which is the second um, section of the book. Same with courage, which is the third section of the book. And then the book rounds out with purpose. So, I mean, this is, again, where we are so aligned. I have you do the work. And so I do similar, but obviously deeper and more expansive work with, Um, one-on-one clients, and we're now looking at that in like broader workshops and and even bigger programs that we bring into the corporate world. So it's kind of walking through each of those things. It's like my own kind of fulfillment equation, if you will.
0: Right. And so the idea, like, let's—I understand it pretty clearly from the perspective of a of a of an individual that, like, uh, essentially, it's. You're trying to find the Shelleys of the world and help them, right? The 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 former Shelleys and or versions of your former self. Is that am I off on that? Or is
1: um, that's a piece of it? That's a piece of it. So what I would say is, I mean, right now I have clients who are executives in the corporate world. I have clients who are entrepreneurs and I have clients who have already walked away from something, sometime, most often I would say corporate jobs, who are in transition and wanting help in figuring out what's next. How do I create that, that life and that impact that I want to have in the world? So it's Shelley's and more. Uh, and now I want it to be the soul of business. I want to literally go into the company, not just individual executives within the company, but go into the company and say, we can support you in creating a culture that's more wholehearted and courageous and humans first. We can support, I mean, I have this whole, I mean, this this might be something interesting to um, your listeners. I wrote a rebel leaders manifesto and I have it on my website. You can find it under Soul Fuel, and I just I, I love it because to me, it's like we have such an opportunity to turn around how we work and rewrite the script of success to be successful, like F U L L. So we are filled up and we feel the fulfill fulfillment. And part of that is rewriting the script of you know flipping the script of taking time off. Why is it payoff for hard work instead of a prerequisite? for a fully nourished, you know, hugely creative and inspirational leader. You know, those kinds uh, of things, right? Why isn't self care on the C-suite agenda, all of that kind of stuff. So that's the bigger work that I'm working toward now. And this manifesto, I put it out for free for anybody who wants it. Um, Check it out.
0: Awesome. It's so funny. So when I was, uh, my, la- my last company, we were, pr- I-, I was all about being very generous with like time off for people for this reason you just said, I wanted people to go recharge the batteries. And so I think I gave, I, I think we gave up to like six weeks of time off not including sick time and stuff like that. It was a lot like when you're there for a while and for a small company, that's pretty, that's not, that's a lot, that's more yeah, than most companies.
1: The average in the States. I mean, that's healthy.
0: Yeah. I think we were like three was start two was starting and then you would, know, you would, it would Get you up to five or six. I think it was six. Um, and so I'd have these employees that are like, Can I cash this in? I said, What do, what do you mean, cash this in? They said, No, oh, like, will you pay me for the time off I didn't take? And I said, Why the fuck would I do that? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, What do I get out of it? I said, I'm giving you the time off so you can go become a better human being and then come back ready to kill it. That's an ROI for me. Me paying you to be tired? Fuck that. So yeah, you're, you're right, man. People. It's backwards. There's a lot of backwardsness in how we, in how we as, as businesses and as leaders treat ourselves. So, oh my gosh, I could probably continue this conversation for another hour with you.
1: I know. And, uh, well, to be continued. We'll continue on rebel souls and, and go on from there.
0: Yeah. So we got a bunch of stuff in the uh, comments on where people can find you. But why don't you do a quick plug on where people can find you, and then uh, we'll get wrapped up and, and uh, stay on because I want to talk to you some more.
1: Yeah, I so you know what? Instagram is my playground where you found me, whoomp Darius. Yep. Um, I am at Soulbatical. So, Soulbatical has two B's and one T. You can find me on LinkedIn if you want to do the business connection and follow me there, Shelly Paxton. Um, and then everything else pretty much is on my website, you know. And my, my book you can find wherever books are sold in my podcast, Rebel Souls, is on all podcast platforms. So, there you go
0: very good yeah. guys um you got to follow this rock star shelly is just living it up doing some badass things uh, her instagram is killer I, I loved it um and um yeah i'm so excited for all the stuff you're going to be doing in the future and to help you do your one uh liberation of one billion souls i'm all in on helping on that so yeah so, guys uh greatest machine crew go support shelly um with that said we got um So what's funny is um, my book launch happened, and I just like kind of coming I'm coming out of it in the sense I'm doing all the PR stuff now. But um, I pushed a bunch of shows off, so I actually have another show today, um, which I'm like not like I'm like I got a great show. Caddy Dragi's coming on, so guys, we'll have Caddy on here in about thirty minutes. Um, With that said, uh, we'll see you guys in thirty. Follow us at therealdarius.com. Subscribe no spamming. We got uh, a bunch of new stuff coming out of there and follow the show at, at The Real Darius m on Facebook or The Real Darius on uh YouTube. You can subscribe with that said. Thank you so much, Shelly. You are so amazing. So much gratitude.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, so much gratitude. Thanks for having me on. I'm really glad we connected. So thank you for the cold reach out because it created a friendship. I love yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Who would, have, who would have thunk that, that our souls would be on this this journey? Um, but here we are. So, guys, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Shelly. Peace, everybody. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on.